0: Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from an inmate at New York State Department of Corrections and Community Supervision. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press 1. You may start the conversation now. My name is John J. Lennon, contributor for Esquire magazine and the Marshall Project. I'm locked up for selling drugs and committing murder been in prison 18 years so far, got about 10 more to go. New York State Prison System identifies me as the number 04A0823. So I'm a writer and I'm a prisoner. And this is a collect call from Sing Sing. Another episode of this is a collect call from sing sing so we're going to continue the sort of music vibe and this week i'm going to talk to david jassy who is an award-winning songwriter and producer who recently had his sentence commuted by california governor gavin Newsom. when jassy was serving time in san quentin he spearheaded a music program that drew wide support from j cole common meek mill ti and kim kardashian recently San Quentin mixtape, which is what it's called, was released. So you got your sentence commuted, and now you are in Sweden, right?
1: Yeah, so on the 27th of March, uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom commuted my sentence. Basically, they said just immediate release, and within five days. And, uh, you know, it came like a shock to me, but, you know, of course, it's a blessing, it's a huge honor to just have that mercy. You know, it was a little bit delayed, but ten days later, I was pretty much on my way back to Sweden, and yeah, uh, here yeah, I am, but, right now in Stockholm.
0: Wow! I mean, that's uh, that's all that's, that's all our dreams. But uh, how much time were you serving? How much time was shaved off?
1: I was sentenced to fifteen years to life for mm-hmm. second degree murder. You know, I had a board hearing coming up in a couple of years, but at the time when I was commuted, I had served eleven years and four months which is very unusual to get commuted that early. So, you know, it was definitely unexpected and uh, such a huge blessing. And all these years I've been down, I had never seen anybody get commuted that early. So, you know, it was a big shock and just to be back in freedom is is still surreal. I only been out about, you know, eight weeks. So I'm still trying to adjust to not only being out, but also the Corona thing going on, but also being back in a whole different country at the other side of the world. So being back in Sweden, it's it's just surreal. Everything is surreal, but it's it's such a huge blessing, and uh and I hope that you get to experience the same thing soon, bro. Yeah,
0: yeah, me too. man. thank you for that. But I mean, so before you wound up in prison in like in America, you were you were a successful music producer in America. I mean, I heard you were working with Britney Spears and Sean Kingston. Can you give us a quick backstory on your career and like what happened?
1: So I grew up in Sweden, and I worked in the underground hip hop scene at first, and mm. after that. I started a group called Navigators about 10 years after I've been an MC and performing in clubs. And Navigators, we were pretty successful in Europe and had a lot of hits and touring the world. A few years into that, I stopped and I just started writing songs for other artists. The Warner Brothers in New York heard some of the songs I did and they invited me to go to New York first and then LA to work with um, Ashley Tisdale. And I started working a lot with her and working with different acts that Warner Brothers had. And also a good friend of mine, Swedish music producer, Bloodshy, invited me to work on the Britney Spears record. And it was during that time I was just staying in LA and I got into an altercation with a man at a crosswalk, which led to him dying. And I ended up being convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to 15 years to life.
0: Wow, so this is, you know, this was 11 years ago. Wow, so you're in prison with all this time and talent. When did it become obvious that there really is like few creative outlets for these guys, like in prison? And like, I mean, does your rep come with you? Like, you're not in San Quentin right away. You're probably in these other less desirable prisons. If California works like New York,
1: am I? Correct? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I started off in L.A. County Jail. I did 18 months over there. You know, it's gangland, gang territory, so that was pretty violent. After that, I went to North Kern, and after that, I went to Solano State Prison, and all these places really didn't have anything. I ordered a guitar from the catalog, and I just started writing songs to my guitar. But then, when I transferred to San Quentin, they had like a little music program, but they didn't have no music studio or anything. And right. I kept just asking around if I could buy a keyboard, and everybody just said no. I just kept doing that for months.
0: Mm-hmm. But I'm
1: extremely stubborn, so I just called my friend in Sweden, and I just told her to order a keyboard anyway, even though I knew that RNR receiving release would not accept it. I just did it anyway. Right. Just so happened to be that my seller Gator happened to be down at RNR when the keyboard came, and he see my name, and he asked the CEO what he was gonna do, and he said that he's gonna send it back because we're not allowed to have them. He helps, so you, he, he helps you. he
0: helps you kind of like get the. Yeah, work. yeah,
1: because he, he, told, he told the CEO that, that I was going to help him uh, teach him how to play piano, pretty much. Right. And he has um, some pull. He had, he had some pull.
0: He, he has some pull.
1: He, yeah, he had been down for like 46 years, so he has some pull. Gotcha. And the, the CEO was like, well, tell him he got 15 minutes to come get the keyboard. Gotcha. And, you know, he, he came and got me, and I just ran down, and the rest is history because I just started, you know, producing beats he- in the South. For me, that was like a bu- huge blessing because this was the first time that I could actually make beats mm. and then, you know, just go into a different zone. Uh, right. You know, when you're making music times, just flying. So it was a huge difference for me.
0: In New York, uh, Sing Sing, I'm in the like desirable maximum security joint in New York. And like San Quentin yeah. is, is the desirable maximum security joint in california these are state prisons these are the sort of coveted prisons that guys want to get to but when you get here you see that there's like a lot of clicks the in crowd so to speak so over in san yeah. quentin you know i've heard a lot about the san quentin news which is a which is mm-hmm. basically an award-winning newspaper and a lot of guys are like sort of pounding the pavement, writing articles for a newspaper and then you have yeah. uh, ear hustle which recently was nominated, which is a podcast like this. But what's different between Ear Hustle is they have the administrator's blessing, so to speak, to do
1: the podcast. And you were on that, right? Yeah, I was I was making um, music for the for the podcast because Ear Hustle right. was in the same media center that I worked in. So I was making beats and I pretty much created a library and then just told them, like, you, you guys can just use whatever beats you want.
0: It's kind of hard to find your lane, like, right? Like when, you're, when yeah. you're kind of the new kid on the block, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, Very hard. Look yeah, I had a lot of
1: resistance. You know, you're in prison, so you already know the prison politics. I had a lot right. of that when I first came there. Uh, you, you had all these clicks, but everybody was telling me, like, this is a media center. This ain't no music program. You can't do music here. And they kept mm-hmm. telling me that for years. And I was just like, I couldn't understand it. I was like, man, I could really help people because really right, the whole right. air hustle thing was before air hustle, was a San Quentin radio, and mm-hmm. there was no music. And I, I was actually the one that told them, like, man, you you guys should have music behind the stories because that would be way better. So eventually, after a couple of years, they allowed me to make like a sample. So I made like music behind the San Quentin prison report. And after they heard it, they were like, all right, this is pretty dope. So you can continue doing that. Mm -hmm. And then it's from that radio program that actually air Hustle grew because they came both Nigel and Erlan came from that whole program and they started the podcast on the side along with Antoine Williams. But at that time I still weren't allowed to do my own thing but it was a few cats that left and kind of like the power dynamic changed a little bit you know I got my own lane and I just carved my own lane and I just you know started presenting an idea and trust me I had a lot of resistance because people didn't want the youngsters to be in a media center because they were seeing like two thuggish or whatever right. uh, with Pan Sagan and they were like this is a media center he working with journalism. So I, I did have a lot of that. Uh, I mean it was it was crazy. It took a lot of prison <laughs> politics. Yeah, you know <laughs> I know. But, I,
0: mean, yeah. I, I mean I mean I some of my colleagues on the outside they they're like John how come you just don't how come you don't like set up a creative writing workshop and help the guys like get published? I was like the administration, I'm, I'm a journalist, you know, writing for outside you know, magazines and doing my thing, like, on some, like, guerrilla gonzo shit. Like, you know, I'm not doing it with the administration sanction, So they already feel slighted that, like, I'm yeah, yeah. sort of I'm I'm busting moves with my own career, like, without, like, their approval. Which, you know, fundamentally, I don't think I need, you know, just under the First Amendment and all that kind of stuff. So I knew right away going into this interview, like, you know, when they give, like, a quick summary of David Chat, you know, he created it for his peers and created a music program where his peers can show their talent and recorded, you know, an album. I knew that you had to go through all this stuff because, one thing I do know, my experience has been that prison administrators aren't good at allocating their most valuable resources. I feel like you sometimes have to beg them to be of service and do this awful sort of like you gotta say all the right things and then get lucky if they give you an opportunity. When I think it really should be the other way around. Like you're you're in a nation that is kind of known for running their prisons a little differently. Not that you're like a penologist or whatever, but there's been some people that study this like are you in talks with your prisons over there uh, about some of the programs and stuff and stuff that you learned in, in America, and California prison?
1: Yeah, I'm actually scheduled on uh, July 24th to go into the most maximum security prison in Sweden and uh, work with the inmates over here. Well, I, actually, I don't like the word inmate. I would like to say incarcerated people. people yeah, yeah. So I would love um, to get your take after
0: that, like, uh, to, because the, the, the most maxi sort of prison in Sweden, what have you heard so far about that?
1: It's not the same as in America. It's America is more, it's a different culture. Uh, America is a gun culture. Uh, the guards in Sweden, they walk around with rifles and stuff like that. Over here, they interact with the the people that are incarcerated more. Um, because right. over here in Sweden, the, the mentality is that being away from your family, that's what the punishment should be. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be that you're locked in a cage and, and get treated like an animal. It's just, mm-hmm. we're taking you away from society, and but you you're gonna stay at a place that is you know, human or humane. It's a huge difference. Uh, you know, right. I think anybody would rather be in prison in Sweden than in America.
0: And you think they, apparently, they they would see somebody like you, even if you were in prison over there, they would see you right away as an asset and probably allocate you appropriately in the rehabilitation programs than you having to sort of beg to be a part of that and help your
1: peers. Yeah, exactly. So they basically mm-hmm. contacted me because they know that, you know, we have a lot of gun violence in Sweden right now. There's a lot of, Things happening right now that we never had before, and it's getting worse in the last five years. So, I know I could definitely be an asset, speaking to the youth and just talking about the reality of that lifestyle and also the reality of being in prison and what it feels like to actually take a life. And, and it's not right. a cool thing. So, so I know I could be of value, and I feel like they actually seen that over here. You are
0: black and you're from Sweden, but what is the racial makeup of people incarcerated in Sweden?
1: Uh, I couldn't tell you the numbers but I don't think it's as many as, as in the United States. There's actually a lot of black people in Sweden. A lot of people don't know that. Really? But there's a lot of, the only difference with America is that these black people are from different African countries. So they have a very strong culture coming from their individual country. Like my dad is from the Gambia, which I have a lot hmm. of people from Somalia, Eritrea, Senegal and so forth. So it's a different kind of culture, a different black culture right. that exists here. Yeah, I, I think America is more just going like black, but we don't really talk like that. It's more about which country right. are you from.
0: But it's interesting because the, the idea is in the sort of Scandinavian countries, some of the experts in in America, we just the compare and contrast is that they will be more rehabilitative and more, you know, humanity in their practices because their prisoners, for the most part, look like their population. And in America, yeah. it's disproportionately black people who are, and, and brown people who are locked up. Admire, you know, the crew over there at San Quentin, right? I mean, they they are, you know, doing like extraordinary things, though. Know, you know, so back to sort of finding your your lane. There, you start this music program, right? The word is out that you know David Jassy's in the building and he's trying to start a mixtape. Explain it, like, how does it go down? Are you are you on the, like the prowl for talent? Are you like in the middle of the ciphers in the yard, like looking for looking for dudes that could spit?
1: So, during all my years in San Quentin, I was always performing there. So, they had, like, different events. You know, to always walk up to me afterwards. They were rapping. They were like, I oh, like, what you doing, man? Oh, you know, I want to message you. But word got around pretty fast once I started doing it. Because everybody that came into the building that was rapper, people were always, they reckoned to me. They were like, oh, you did is go talk to Jassy. So, to always come to my cell and be like, hi, what's up? I just got here. Or people that was already there were like, man, I want to be a part of it. But uh, I didn't even put out no poster or nothing. It was just organically all coming together. And you kind of know who can spit and who cannot spit. You hear cats on a yard or on a tear. I don't know, just all organically happened like that. And, and eventually it just turned into like a professional music production studio. We were, we were really organized and this is something that grew and we got better at it. We created a few volumes. I recorded more than hundred songs while was Right. So how can the public
0: listen to the songs that you recorded with, you know, the guys that were are in? I mean, some of them I imagine are still in there, and they still have this program going, like what you left, right? Um, yeah. Give us the plug. Tell tell the listeners where they could hear this. So this is for basically for charity, right? Like, I mean, it's like people exactly can, people can cop this, and you know, it'll go. Yeah. To, tell, tell us a little bit about that.
1: So I was extremely fortunate to have the assistance of Jessica Jackson, Van Jones, and Alex Goodrich that actually came in and became volunteers for our program, and they eventually, you know, contacted uh, Rock Nation and Equity Distribution and Burr Communications as well that helped us get this thing out. And now it's actually available on all streaming platforms, wow. and and you know the listeners can get it on iTunes, on Spotify, and so forth. All these different uh, title, Amazon. To me, it's it's all surreal that this opportunity is out for, especially for these young men that like, this is the biggest thing that has ever happened to them in their life. And yeah. my hope is that that not, that not it doesn't stop here, but that actually, you know, they may get signed by a lot of people or they can actually have like a regular career. But the, the the bigger issue to me is to get these stories out to the young folks that's out there and tell them about the reality of prison life and just tell them that this ain't the lifestyle. This, you don't want to be. Locked in a cell in San Quentin on a four by nine or sing sing for that matter, like there's so many opportunities that you can grab as a kid. Like I know it's hard, I know it's rough out there, and I know it's tempting when you see some homies on the block with with chains and money. But the the, the long route, you know, the long term effect of it, it's not worth it. Yeah. And 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 so that's really what I'm hoping that that not only people can just listen to, but actually have a conversation, especially like in schools and juvenile halls or wherever that people can actually have like a a conversation around the topics that we talk about on the mixtape
0: the music especially rap that speaks to me most is when it tells a narrative a story some of these tracks like telling that story that that is pumping that narrative like you know it's one thing spit in the yard though but when they had to lay it down and like continuously go over this this is some work that you know guys aren't sort of you know, used to, like, right? Like, so, like, tell me about that process and then tell me about some of, like, the narrative arcs of these, uh, you know, a couple of them that stand out to you that just, like, tell a story that that, that basically you're trying to tell, like, which artist stands out to you?
1: I'm extremely proud of all of them. A lot of these guys had zero experience with being in a studio or doing anything similar. So that's why I think it's so dope that even the ones with less experience really came through. And even the guys with experience had zero experience of rapping without curse words. So once I told was them that. Was that a condition then, of the,
0: was that a condition of the administration or. or no, that, that, was, my,
1: that was my, that was my, that was my suggestion. Cause I wanted them to dig deeper and okay. I, w- I already knew like the stigma and the stereotype that people have on us. So oh. my thing was, I, I really want to get this message of our humanity out to people. Gotcha. So I just, I just knew that if we came out cousin and, and it just wouldn't resonate the way that I wanted it to be because I really want to tell the u- human story. And I wanted right. people in like not only in America, but people all over the world to really understand what's going on. Because right. I really trying to bring change to this, uh, you know, have like a, a, a legitimate prison reform, not just because it looks good, but to actually make people understand that, man, these are humans in here. And, and I want it to be very clear that we on our part do our best. So if we are talking to kids, you don't go into a classroom of kids and start cussing. I wanted it to be in a way where we can actually reach really young kids because it, mm-hmm. it starts so early nowadays. And, I, and and that's the reason why I did that.
0: I remember like even like, you know, me growing up, Biggie was, you know, I'm from Brooklyn Biggie's from Brooklyn yeah. and I'm a white kid, but I, I mean, I, I, that doesn't matter. I grew up in the projects. I, you know, I love me some Biggie. I love me some Nas. Yeah. I mean, I love, yeah. And then sometimes, uh, you know, it's like an anthem sometimes for the lives we go on to live, you know? And yeah. I think, You know, I think even hearing some of the socially conscious, you know, lyrics that that rappers are pumping out right now, they peep that, too. You know, and I think that's a reckoning that they're coming to, too. So it's interesting to see you sort of like ahead of the the game and pressing guys to do this with this restraint. Um, Yeah, and you can still
1: do it and and, and still have it sound dope because it's all a matter of like how the art is written. You know, uh, you know, it's it's living in symbiosis with the music. So it's not just the music or just the rap. It's everything together and it's just the feel of it. And it's the authenticity because it's coming from prison. It's not no studio gangster that's living in a mansion in Miami where all of his fans is going to prison because they listen to his music. This is really people that been through the struggle are doing some major time in prison, you know, reaching back to the communities and saying, you know what, we messed up, we made a bad decision, but I don't want my younger siblings to go through this. or I don't want any kid to go through this. To me, is as real as it gets, and that's what what I wanted. I didn't want to glorify nothing because right. just being in there, just being in prison, and, and and having the remorse that I have for the crime that I committed, it's right. a genuine remorse. It's not like oh, I'm trying to look good for the administration type of remorse. This is a right. genuine remorse. Waking up in the cell, knowing what I did, right. I just made made up my mind. Like I just want to put out good into the world, and I definitely don't want to back anything that's like negative and or glorifying crimes.
0: It's like an inverse thing. You bring up like guys rapping in their mansions that never even uh, sort of like enduring with the guys that you work with. It's like, you don't even, it's like, it's like, bro, you don't even need to curse because you're, you're, you're hundred percent authentic. Tell the story. And like, in a symbiotic way, like you said, that's, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely feeling that. That's, um.
1: No, I think it's commendable also what you guys are doing right now. It's the same thing. You guys are telling stories, you know, just like air So, but it's, it's, there's so many ways to tell a story. You guys are doing it in a podcast and you're getting the, the, the narrative out and you're telling people, hey, we are actually human. Yeah, we made a bad decision, but we're definitely trying to change that. And I think it's so important because people just, you know, they just see the narrative that's been you know, spun around in the mainstream media. And they should like, these are monsters, these are bad guys. And all we are known for are like the worst decision we ever made. And we get defined by that. But to give this opportunity, I always say like, if you really want to stop crime, you really have to talk to the people that committed the crime. You can't just talk to the law enforcement and just say, oh, well, they just gangsters and they just monsters. Because if you really want to get into the minds of these young men, then you have to see all the hurt that's really going on and the hurt that's taking place. Like we say, like hurt people, hurt people and heal people, heal people. So once I think that, that people really understand that these are people, these are humans, and they will eventually get out. Who do you want as your neighbor? Do you want the guy that's been rehabilitated, or do you want the guy that's just been locked away? So I think it's a beautiful thing that Sing Sing is allowing you guys, whether they are or not, or the, just the <laughs> fact that you guys are doing what you what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're doing it from a payphone, what, whatever med- medium you're doing it through. I think it's a beautiful opportunity for people to be heard and, and to to get the human story out, and I think it's dope.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, thank you for that. And thank you for coming. I mean, we, I try to be as inclusive as I can with my peers, you know I mean? Just tell them to jump on the jack and you know, give them my producer's number. You know, we, we find workarounds here at Sing Sing. And you're right. It is so important to hear, you know, the stories. And, you know, look, a lot of the times, like the service, it, it comes in the yard. It comes when we're lapping the yard. They're, they're coming to terms yeah. with our grind to, to wanting more for ourselves. It's this building that we're doing while we're lapping this concrete yard. You know what I mean? So, in the meantime, like you know, and I know, you got to create your own lane and if that and if that entails yeah. getting a gorilla style in the yard hey bro tell me your story man i want to hear you spit like get on the phone like you know call my producer if if i'm able to do that i'm honored to do that because yeah you know it's a, it's a much better feeling than 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 telling a little homie to go shoot go shoot this dude you know go go blast this dude real quick like you know
1: because there's a yeah. lot of
0: that going on and then yeah it's it's, it's just a different feeling you get when you say, hey, man, go talk to my producer. Tell him how you feel about the protests out there right now. You said you're performing tonight in Sweden?
1: Yes, I'm doing a a live event for United Nations. So they have different countries participating live. And I'm one of the artists that's representing Sweden tonight. So I'm going to do my song Freedom. uh, And it's a song basically talking about uh, my experience in the criminal justice system. And it's a song that I wrote at Solano State Prison. And I also did a TEDx performance, actually, at Quentin with that song. And that song is also out right now on Spotify. So I'm doing that song and uh, basically talking about everything that I went through, but also like at the end on the last verse, basically giving hope. So the song is dedicated to people in prison. And I'm basically talking about, I understand what you're going through. And I'm talking about my case, what what I went through. But I also come with a solution at the end of being like, you know, well, just get better at your craft, seek God first, and 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 keep pushing. And eventually, yeah. you may get your freedom. And that's what that whole song is about. It's basically like an uh, encouragement for the people going through the struggle in prison and uh, to just keep they stay kick, up, keep your head up, and and stay fighting. Right.
0: They're kicking me off, uh, David Jassy. Thank you so much for talking to me.
1: And uh, all right, my uh, pleasure. We'll, we'll, my we'll pleasure stay in bro. touch. All right, man. You keep your me. head up. All right, Thank bro. You. This is a Collect Call from Sing Sing is produced
0: by Jeff DeRay, Kirsten Woodward, and Steve Delamater. With help from Elena Garcia, Jack Greenbaum, and Devin Sherman. Special thanks to Norm Pattis, Peter Morris, Elizabeth Baequet, and Rachel Yanover. Follow John on Twitter at JohnJLennon1 and check out his work at JohnJLennon.org. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and
1: anywhere else you get your podcasts.